it is time to tune up the band and feed your bloodlust, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, always alongside Dan and Reardon as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Hello chaps on what it has been a long week for all of us involved. It has been. Listener... We are all dead. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I'm not gonna be cute like I normally am. Every single one, every single member of the Sweet Chinwag podcast is running on fumes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a. Oh my god. I mean, I'm not going into the specifics of it, but I'm pretty sure that the dumminess of that pizza I had yesterday contributed to what happened to me. <laughs> yes, yes. I think. I think everyone. We're all just. You got beaten Ooh. by the gluten. <laughs> oh, I got beaten. Uh, I got I got beaten by whatever the hell was in that vegan Caribbean stuff. <laughs> I got my ass kicked. Like, Delicious. But, God. I, I feel like when we eventually do our uh, eventual meetup, that I need to have a guided tour of Caribbean food from you, Reardon. Okay, look. Oh, mate, we'll help you. I can help you out. But I have to warn you right now, because I literally had the same conversation yesterday with a mate. If you if you eat this, be prepared to be in a food coma. That stuff is rich and heavy food. Hell um, yes. Freedom. I just want I just want to clear something. I just want to check something with you, right? Yeah. I don't know if this is specifically a South London experience, right? Mm. When it comes to Caribbean food. Uh, myself and my friends I go to places for Arjun rulers the worse service you get the better the food is going to be absolutely yeah absolutely <laughs> correct. I don't, I, absolutely it's it is unbelievable they are it tracks top- on a perfect if I if I don't walk in there and I'm not being mocked the second I walk in I know it ain't gonna be good yeah. the I have only I however I will say I think the literally the only two exceptions are in my neck of the woods of London. Everywhere yeah. else, it's <laughs> like that. My 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 ones. Um, shout out to uh, shout out to Infinite Catering, by the way. Brap brap and backyard. Brap brap. <laughs> both of you, both of them, excellent service, great customers, beautiful food. Everywhere else, that has never yeah. been the case. <laughs> So not only does that get the sweet chinwag approval, we're going to try and get endorsements now. <laughs> listen, listen, I'll happily I'll, take I'll, endorsements I'll, I'll, for, for food. I'll, for, 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 for them? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Anyway, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. We also give you uh, this podcast every Wednesday thanks to those lovely people over on Project Dits, which, funnily enough, we're getting our own week. I uh, know. We're getting our own sweet chinwag wig on Project Dits soon. Oh, <laughs> baby. Excellent. To help, That's us, well help, us, to help us catch up while they've been away on break doing very important stuff. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But listen, listener, no matter how tired we are, no matter how exhausted we are, we are always forever pending, and I want you guys to know that. <laughs> That's version two of the shirt that I'm going to be releasing in the next, in the fall winter line. No matter how tired, no matter how spaghetti legged we are, we are always forever pending. 
can we can we like can we like try and make it something to do with merch how like abp always be pending oh absolutely yes. absolutely absolutely i'll have that in the old school scratch wwf logo style as well <laughs> yes <laughs> yes Alrighty. before we get on to this episode which is all about the history of hardcore wrestling it's time to visit dad for this week's wrestling news dun 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 dun. What? It's still pride, isn't it? It's true. Yeah. Keeps I mean, you, 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 you've changed up my thing because I was just going to be because we're so tired. Just go wrestling news. <laughs> <laughs> you could still do that. You could still do that. <laughs> You're allowed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's get into it with Raw. Starting off with our week review. Um, for me, Raw, I, again, I've pretty much only caught up from kind of up seeing other people's reactions. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, I'll be honest and be here again and say a lot of it hasn't been that positive. Um, it's a, I'm it's... still very much firmly on the belief that, uh, you know... There's there's a much more significant place for uh, for Nikki Cross. Yes, <laughs> we we all we all think that, my dear. We all um, think that. In all of that, um, I was happy to see Jeff Hardy versus John Morrison. That was a good little kind of what felt like a throwback match to me, even though I know they haven't had any real significant matches beforehand. Maybe for the IC. I believe they actually fought for the WWE Championship in two thousand and nine. Oh, based. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, no. I mean that that was a uh, that was pretty that was pretty cool to see. Um, I guess the main one, obviously, coming out of this was uh, the appearance of Piper Niven on Raw. Oh, you mean the the woman that has no name? Um, who could she be? I wouldn't know. Uh... Um, yeah, I mean we we've spoken about this on on Twitter. Um, how I guess just I mean obviously we know WWE has done this before they're kind of in the trademark of it of obviously <laughs> rebranding people and everything like that yeah um, I guess the again as I said I think the thing for me though is it's just kind of like you know it's a, again I'm trying to put this into words is a, is a very difficult thing <laughs> It just seems weird that they go to the effort of being like, oh my god, who is this? When they haven't really, like, done anything to change her physical appearance. Yeah. Um, Nothing's really been done to, like, change how I see her. I know, obviously, WWE does this with rebranding people and whatever. So, for example... um, Baba Tunde, who then became Dabakato, who then became Commander Aziz. <laughs> That's a glow um, up if I've ever seen one. <laughs> but I mean, I guess for that, you could say, oh, well, he's gone from having the fucking vest and the jeans to having the military outfit. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this is literally just Piper Niven. <laughs> yeah. Piper Niven with pigtails now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um yeah i mean we've just we've just i mean as i said we discussed this on twitter and i mean stuff. yeah i i went into a whole 
you know, kind of internal back and forth through through the through a Twitter thread. Again, it's saying about thing how of... like does it show where they hold NXT UK in all of this? Yeah, that was what I was literally just going to say. Yeah, it's like where I mean, where does this stand for that for that uh, promotion? Because it's like, yeah. We don't care about them. <laughs> well, because it's because it's like the thing we said, where and and this is what um, a lot of people who kind of messaged me after that or did reply to the thread that said, which was like basically outside of Volta, mm-hmm. yeah, NXT UK kind of just doesn't exist to the US audience. Yeah, yeah, that's quite and like because we said like um, to American friends of mine that watch wrestling. Or the like, primarily focus on WWE. Basically, don't know who Kaylee Ray is, and she was champion for six hundred forty nine days. Yeah, you think it's just—is it just a promotional thing? Like, it's just not getting the promotion it needs. Well, I think I think obviously one one obvious part of it is that NXT UK just isn't natively shown in the US. You have to watch on the network. Mm. Mm. So if you have no investment in it, then you're probably not going to go and watch it. In which case, they should use this as a chance to be like hey this is Piper different she came from nxt uk go watch it to see who might appear here next exactly um you don't undermine your own <clears throat> products you know what i mean because it, it's like i i've always thought it's so weird that like um i mean obviously before where they were now mm. why nxt were clamoring for mark andrews and flash and webster yeah because they seem like the exact type of team that would just fit NXT perfectly. Exactly. Obviously, yeah. they did. They did appear in some. They did appear in matches. Mm. But like, if I if I was NXT, I'd be like, yes, I want these people immediately. Mm. So I said, like, does it show where they hold NXT UK? Obviously, I think I said with a lot of people I know, which is, um, you know, with NXT UK, it 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 already exists at a kind of lower level because it's like the subset of nxt yeah mm. um which is which is obviously a, a difficult thing to kind of having to reckon with especially mm. when you have a champion as good as volta exactly um or you can be as cynical as i am <laughs> which i think we um, all are yeah <laughs> yeah and talk about how honestly does nxt does NXT UK purely exist so that they can siphon off the UK independent market? Oh, Which is a big statement. That's a big statement. But it but... is a grounded in a little bit of reality. It is grounded. Yeah, it's grounded in reality. It's a big statement, but not one I would be surprised of if true, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Because it, it's like what we said about the other NXT projects, which are, um, well, as we understand, the ones they tried to make an effect into happening are NXT Japan and NXT Mexico. Yes. Now, obviously, they have started NXT India, which I don't know when that's meant to even be launching now officially. Because mm. I think it was meant to be launching this year. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to. Uh, and I don't believe that is happening. <laughs> so maybe that's a 2022 thing. Um, but you know, I think I think maybe that's just like a a food for thought kind of question. Mm. 
Indeed. Honestly, with the rest of Raw, it was nothing that particularly... There was nothing else that particularly interested me. Same. Um, there were, like, count-outs and DQ finishes. It's like a UWF show. It was Herb Abrams has come back from the dead and his and his cowboy boots and his coke top. Which from which one of the eight thousand UWFs do you mean? Oh, that's that true. Is true. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like UWF is like the now the is like the default wrestling company name. That and IWA, but we'll get yeah. To that, that and IWA are like not there's like nine thousand different promotions all with the same initials. <laughs> oh man um but yeah like i mean like i'm looking through like the the results spread and then like you you had let's see you had one uh two <laughs> so you had you had two count outs and two dqs <laughs> Oh yes, because that's that that is that that's going to end well. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, moving over to NXT, and I I quite like this show this week. I thought it was really good. Yes, yes, I very much like this show. <clears throat> um, obviously, the the starting segment with uh, William Regal was fantastic. It's mm-hmm. William Regal doing has had some of his best work, uh, and now we know that the. The special enforcer to William Regal is Samoa Joe. Hey. hey, God, is it good to see him back? What a perfect God role for is. Joe. I know yeah. it's it's so great. <laughs> and uh, I I love man when you oh it's just when you give him a mic and you allow him to do what he does. Oh, you get gold as what he was doing with a uh, carrying cross. It's. It's oh. kind of fu- it's kind of funny how like honestly still Samoa Joe just completely burns out some talent on the mic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I can't lie, I can't lie. He kind of had carrying cross, um, you know, grasping at the air. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> really did. And I think the, re- the the segment in the back involving Joe was great as well. Just like absolutely. Oh yeah, the the, the security trying to. Uh, alleviate a scuffle between O'Reilly and Cole. Cole pushes Joe and Joe's like, you know what? Fuck this! Puts him in the coquina <laughs> clutch pass and makes him pass out and you go, and when he wakes up, <laughs> you tell Mr. Eagle he wants to speak to him. <laughs> it's so good. Wouldn't it be great to have like a vice president that chokes out some of the employees that bully you? <laughs> I'm just, I only I'm just saying, it. It, only would probably make, it'd probably make for a, a half decent working environment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers at any previous jobs of mine. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, a person like that would have done wonders for my. <laughs> but not only in uh, wrestling would you ever get someone like that sort of authority figure that's allowed to cause violence to their employees. Yeah, well, no, was it? You remember. Um... Was it when Stone Cold was the sheriff of Raw? Yes. <laughs> In a four wheeler. What? <laughs> what? Um, moving on next, we had Brizango versus Imperium. And the, these two teams are just great. They work um, so well together. As as I've said to um, friends of mine, um, I'm basically just internally counting down the the days to 
it possibly happening where we see um, Thatcher turn on Champa and join Imperium to reform Ringkampf. Yeah. Um, whether or not that will actually happen, I don't know. Um, uh, actual booking be damned, I want it to happen. So <laughs> We all do. We all do. <laughs> um, but no, I think, I think there's a really good niche for uh, Brizango in the NXT Tag Division. And, of course, the NXT Tag Division is very much alive and well. Yes. So I feel like they have very little to worry about. Uh we now know that the the next takeover is going to be NXT Great American Bash, so it seems like they're renewing that this year as well. Yeah, uh, NXT NXT. is NXT just going to take all of the um, all of the pay per views not used anymore? Is that yeah. their thing? They're just the recycling. Any any WCW pay per views that they still hold the license for, they're probably going to use. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. Because it stops anyone else from using them. Hey, that stop. is true. Hey, stop. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So last year they did the Great American Bash. Uh, they obviously had Halloween Havoc. Um, I'm just saying they should bring back Bash at the Beach if they if they have a license to it. I don't know if AEW <laughs> has a license to that one. I would imagine it was probably because they did do the Bash at the Beach. I imagine it's probably in AEW's hands right about now, but. That's oh, probably an AEW hasn't. Um, what is another? What is another WCW pay per view? Uh, Super Brawl. Uh, full Brawl. Uh, WCW yeah. New Blood Rising. Oh no! Wait, we don't need another two D bag. Please, no Blood We're not doing another New Blood storyline. <laughs> Slamboree. We're not doing this... that again. Do NXT Takeover Slamboree will have a sequel to the San Francisco 49ers match. Please. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> uh, we had the debut of Trey Baxter, and I'm trying to remember. I think it's Blake Christian. Blake Christian, correct. Yes, uh, from the independent scene. Phenomenal wrestler. Oh, he was great. Phenomenal junior heavyweight. Fantastic match against Kushida. Great, <clears throat> great way to to make a debut. Um, yeah. Especially if we're going to go up against the champion as well. Damn, is I mean, Kushida it, on a roll as champion? That's the, the thing. It's so good though to have someone like Kushida be be you know be the the person to bring in those new talents, especially yeah. because Kushida has so much time working in so many different places, and obviously he can work with any style really, which is insane. <laughs> it is so insane for a guy. That's so when you think talented. he's not. He's now helped bring in um, Blake Christian and um, Christian Casanova. Which um, I'm still, still, I still, I'm still salty that they've called him Carmelo Hayes. And it's just like when you had the most perfect name, the most marketable name ever for yeah. a wrestler, and you decide to just call him Carmelo Hayes. Oh, fuck! They just sake, made him sound the like they just made him sound like the starting point guard for the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> Oh God, you're so right. <laughs> you're so right. Um, we then had uh, a little bit of a moment between Ted DB, uh, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, uh, LA Knight, and Cameron Grimes. He can still set a punch, can't he? <laughs> he can still bump. <laughs> Ted DiBiase he's can still set a punch. Seven, you know. 67. Whoa. 67. He's still bumping. That was so cool. So cool to see. 
Uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez pick up the win. Yeah. Uh, in the women's tag match. Uh, Io Shirai now announcing her in- intent for a full-time return uh, to NXT. Uh, Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae um, get involved. Uh, at which point Zoe Stark comes and clears the ring um, and helps Io out. Love this perspective um, pairing. Yeah. Should work really, really well. Mm. Um, interested to see where they go with things. Um, I guess this could potentially build to a women's war game match. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever format that takes. Um, and depending on who gets involved, really. If it's another trash can um, spot, then I'm all for it. Well, yeah, it just depends. It just depends who they decide to bring in, because yeah. um, <clears throat> obviously, in the same in the same group of people that had Zoe Stark come in, you also had uh, Gigi Dolan, formerly Priscilla Kelly, mm. um, and Elena Black, now Court Jade, mm-hmm. who haven't been seen since the Women's Tag Invitational. <laughs> Oh no! Or maybe they had they had maybe they had one match afterwards. <laughs> but I I, be, I believe with Cora Jade, she's doing like the, you know, like the non TV dark matches. Ah, <clears throat> I think anyway. Interesting, interesting. Um, so interesting to see where that goes. Obviously, they, there's a whole bunch of room for maneuvering in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got. You've got Saray as well, who's currently kind of involved in a storyline. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and uh, Zayda Ramia, who's also involved in that kind of yes. weird chain of matches as well. <clears throat> I don't know who would necessarily join up with uh, Indy and Candice. Hmm. I probably need a little bit more time to think about that because yeah. in my head it would be Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, but they did that last year. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, we get another promo for the Diamond Mine, whatever I, that it turns into being. I don't know what this. I I want to. I mean, I want to say is this is this is this NXT's brawl for all the Diamond Mine because <laughs> it looks like. Well, in my in my head. The way I the way I'm taking it is it's probably like a group of people that they're bringing in as like rookies, right? Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is that obviously no one's seen Roderick Strong for ages, so maybe this has something to do with him. <laughs> God, could you imagine? So I don't know. Maybe Roderick Strong's like leading a group of um, young wrestlers. Possibly. I. I... I don't know, unless they're bringing in some people that are like going to be fucking shoot-style wrestlers, which I can't imagine WWE's going to do. Is this is this NXT's take on the whole American top team in TNA thing? When You remember when Bobby Lashley was TNA world champion and they had American yeah. top team come to the ring and they'd end up being a, like a sort of faux faction? Yeah. <laughs> Much to Dad's chagrin, does he remember American top team in TNA? Much to my chagrin, do I remember stuff from that period of TNA. Uh, at least we had Josh Barnett in a good match against Bobby Lashley. We did. It's, it's, it's um, the only silver lining. But yeah, so whatever that culminates into being, we'll find out. 
Uh, and then just finally, uh, we have uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher winning against Grizzled Young Veterans. Grizzled Young Veterans should have held the tag titles by now. Yeah. But we will get to that at a later date. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, going over to AEW, and hey, look, let's talk shoot style again. It was Jake Hager versus um, Wardlow in an MMA steel cage match. Um, <laughs> I get where IQ's coming from, because he tweeted, I so want to like AEW, but then they pull off shit like this. <laughs> it's a weird thing, because it was like I was trying, I was watching a Lion's Den match, but it wasn't as good. <laughs> it it just felt like it was confused about what it wanted to be. Yeah. Like go for one or the other. If you want to kind of make it simulated shoot style kind of like the Lions Den, go for it. But if you want to make it make it like I'm great. Don't go so as far as MMA because Wardlow's skill probably isn't as good as Hager's. So why not make it a UWFI style shoot fight? Yeah. So, but no, um, Wardlow was pulling off hurricane runners in the octagon, Rid. <laughs> it's just like... As you do. Just like it does. <laughs> it just reminds me of that, it's like an old clip from, like, I think Pride FC, mm. where there's a guy who is obviously trained as a professional, just goes in and just runs and drop kicks someone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most confusing thing ever. Uh, it would have made so much more sense if, like, Wardlow decided to look like Don Fry. I would have, I would have bought into it then. In yeah, like I said it was, it was just confusing about <laughs> what it wanted to be. <laughs> but hey, at least you got that sweet AEW money to have yourself an AEW octagon. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more merchandise. Oh, yeah, did you hear? Do you hear about AEW doing the replica titles? Yes. And they're like, I mean, people are saying they're expensive. They're still cheaper than the WWE full replicas by at least five hundred dollars. At least they're a lot less. They're they're a lot cheaper than those legacy signature titles they've been coming out with recently. Well, I was gonna. Say, well, no, because they was they have the elite series titles, which are like the full replicas. And they're like one thousand three hundred dollars. Yeah, just... and that's just for the universal title. Yes. Which arguably I wouldn't even pay like a hundred dollars for. <laughs> and then you've got the weird garish looking Undertaker leather strapped purple WWF championship. Oh yeah, though. well yeah, we know they've got those. Those are weird. Those are so <clears throat> weird. They they have the Ultimate Warrior one, which is horrid. <laughs> <sighs> More personalized titles, please, Vince. If you're gonna go with that whole Dude, I'm always that. here. I'm always here for wrestlers having personalized titles except for, Jeff Hardy. except for Jeff Hardy's TNA World Championship that one's weird That's, yeah don't let Jeff Hardy design his own one <laughs> <laughs> every single time I look at those I think like there's like something that I do like in them but then I also hate yes agree mm. <laughs> agreed <laughs> to be fair my biggest problem with them was just how like it looked like if you bent over it was going to spike you in the stomach <laughs> <laughs> that is true um, moving on though we had uh, the amazing uh, promo with Kazarian, Eddie Kingston and Pentagon um, so good. just if not for the reference of you were saying man this looks like a screenshot from GTA Online um, it does it does it really does 
Uh, it was then followed by calls for people to say, um, indie wrestlers, please, can we stop with the Joker gear? Pentagon's killed the game already. Yes, agreed. Pack up, going home. Look, Rey, Mysterio, Rey Mysterio was almost there, but no, Pentagon takes the cake. Listen, listen, listen. Joker is over. Yes. It's all Pentagon now. Yeah. DCC. <laughs> now, if you want, you want me to be invested in Batman again. Eliminate the Joker. Pentagon Junior is now the top villain for Batman. <laughs> eliminate Bane. Eliminate Bane as well. Just, just, just to make it clear that he's his own person. <laughs> just the Joker part, does a package power driver to, to Batman. <laughs> Um, we had uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in a handicap match against Darby Allen, which is basically a um, there are no rules, you die match for Darby Allen. Basically, see how far we can yeet Darby Allen once more. <laughs> uh, we had Orange Cassidy versus Cesar Benoni, with Orange Cassidy getting the win. Uh, all right, now can I take a second to talk about Brock Anderson? Absolutely. And how much he looks like he's in his mid-50s, despite the fact that he's, he's in his 20s. All right, now people are going to be there and say, what do you mean, right? Of course the, the, the guy's son looks like his dad, but Brock Anderson looks scarily like Arn Anderson. As in, he literally looks like a arguable clone of Arn Anderson. Like, right down to the facial hair, the face shape. I mean, he's got the, he's got the, the khaki slacks down pat. He looks like he could be anywhere between 22 and 39, and I would believe him. <laughs> it's oh, it's great. I'm just hoping that he pulls off a spy buster as good as his dad. Well, I assume he's probably been taught how to do them from the moment he started wrestling training, so... The moment he was born. The moment he was born, <laughs> yeah. spy buster. Um... Welcome to the world, kid. <laughs> Uh, we then had a vignette with uh, Jake Roberts and Lance Archer talking about how Lance Archer just wants to beat the hell out of Miro. <laughs> I say how disturbing it is that Jake Roberts seems to be aging backwards now thanks to his clean living. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible how like he was like oh wow he it become he like it became he looks good for his age too he looks good <laughs> i'm so glad he's doing doing well and it seems like he is still on the straight and narrow so thank thank the world for diamond dallas page in more ways than one once we once again want to thank diamond dallas page for his hard work <laughs> dude that ddp don't lie mm, don't that lie yoga? Gotta do that um, yoga. We've gotta do that yoga. Yeah, we'll make it. It's okay. We'll make it a recurring segment. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> um, we then had a little, um, another couple of vignettes. One with Jim Roth interviewing Andrade uh, and uh, Adam Page accepting the uh, accepting the offer of the challenge. Uh, Penelope Ford beat uh, Julia Hart with everyone's favorite, the Indian Deathlock. <laughs> Hey. He's eternally cursed because of New Legacy for me. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Thank you, boys. Uh, <laughs> and then we had uh, the Good Brothers and Matt Jackson versus Kazarian, Pentagon, and Eddie Kingston in the main event. Uh, with Good Brothers uh, getting Good Brothers and Matt Jackson getting the win. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yay! Ooh, I've tried to play uh, some excitement though. And then moving over to SmackDown, we'll try and speed through this. Um, I mean, there's only one thing really we need to talk about, really, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you mean the King of the Ring crown match? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura becomes the second person to win the King of the Ring crown outside of King of the Ring. Yep. Uh, I believe he joins Haku, doesn't he? I believe so. Fascinating. I didn't even know that was an actual thing you could quantify, frankly. Yep. Does that mean now that uh, King Corbin now simply just becomes Corbin? Who knows? Who knows? I mean... See, we have to. I have to go back into the archives and figure out how King Booker did it. But like, Corbin isn't King Booker, so <laughs> I was going to say yeah. King Booker left, and then he got to TNA and got his name back. That is true. You know, <laughs> thinking King about Black it, Snow. <laughs> <Black> Snow. <laughs> you know, thinking about it real quick, it's kind of amazing that he was allowed to keep his name there. It, it mm. is, isn't it? I mean, he is Booker Huffman. I believe his middle name is. I can't remember his middle name, but I do believe it is it is T. Yeah, I I think it is like it, it's Theodore or something. So I guess because you can't like they can't copyright his actual name. <laughs> oh, but do remember in WCW as I told you the storyline that Booker T lost his T. It was given to Ahmed Johnson, and then for a while he was simply called Booker. Yeah, that's true. And then oh, he came to the bro, but okay. we don't talk about oh, that. And I've just checked it out. It is um Tio. Oh, there, there you go. go. There you go. Um, <clears throat> but no, obviously the main thing is uh, Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio in Hell in a Cell. The first thing people are going to say about this was, why are they doing a Hell in a Cell match now and not at Hell in a Cell? Uh, and the answer is because doing it like this is infinitely more interesting. <laughs> True. Because uh, the because the feud is actually hot. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? As you said before we recorded... I think you know Heyman. Heyman was definitely right. Striking while the iron's hot was probably the, is the best thing to do. It's just yeah. like you've got you've got to go in for it, and the the storyline's pretty easy. It's it's Rey Mysterio being annoyed that his son got beaten up. <laughs> Sometimes it's that easy, you know. <laughs> like it, it it is it isn't like a tremendously intense you know, ordeal to go through. I thought he disappeared into the WWE ether is, is what is what always happens when someone f- disappears or flies off camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look what happened to Kurt Angle. He disappeared off camera when Big Show threw him off and then somehow he ended up landing quite unscathed except for a broken leg that looked like it didn't really look like a broken leg. <laughs> I mean... What? He is built different, aren't he? <laughs> yeah. Yes, call me Kurt Angle. <laughs> no, no. No, we won't do that. No, no, I'm sorry, I won't do that. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, the the Reigns versus Mysterio match is, was, a, was a really good match, all, all things match. considering. Great match, despite the fact they were in that red bloody cage, which someone pointed out looks <laughs> yes. like the tension sheet from Red Dwarf. Oh no! It does. <laughs> oh, why did you have to say that? I and never here, and here I just used to say to people, "Man, this really makes it awkward to see what's happening in the cage through." <laughs> now that's even better. 
<laughs> it's cold outside. There is no kind of atmosphere once you're in hell of us. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll just stop. I'll stop now. I mean, yeah, because like we we've been there and said like the 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 gimmick pay per views just get tiring. Yeah, yeah. As like we said, as we said before the recording, um, Bianca versus Bailey doesn't need hell in a cell. <laughs> Not. <laughs> you could just book a no DQ match and it would be fine. Yeah. Absolutely. But he- Hell in a Cell is not needed yet. <laughs> if you want to give it time, sure. If you want to do it with Sasha Banks, maybe. Yeah. But if you want to help bolster up your, ros- your women's roster for SmackDown, <laughs> that might be a good idea. It's just saying, everybody. I'm just saying. Uh, just I think saying. you've only got about seven women in it. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> oh God! Um, but just quickly going outside uh, of uh, you know your WWE and your AEW, uh, we now know that the Iconics are trademarking a new name: the Ooh. Inspiration. Hey, with two eyes. It. Hey, there it is. Uh, <laughs> with the two eyes. It's not bad. Not bad, actually. I kind of like it. Um, Nyla Rose has now also uh, got her trademark set for her in-ring name and nickname for purposes of merchandising, which is wonderful to see. It's linked. Uh, Over in New Japan in August, uh, New Japan fans in the US will now see a return to live action with fans. Uh, and it will be an event known as Resurgence and will feature both talent from New Japan wrestling in Japan currently and also in New Japan Strong. I'm just saying, uh, put the Strong Openweight Championship on Fred Rosser. You go on, I dare you to, in front of a crowd. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm all here for that, but they have said that uh, John Moxley, um, G.A. White, and... And Tom Lawler will all be competing, uh, along with Ren Narita and Shota Umino. Nice. Uh, Shota has come on so far recently. Uh, so <laughs> please do watch out. Yu Yomura as well. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Um, if you didn't see the clips from, uh, oh God, earlier earlier this week, uh, Yota Suji as well put in a pretty good performance. Mm. Uh, got the hell beaten out of him by Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> he really did. Um, but no, Yu Yomura, huge, huge. Mm. And the Good Brothers will be there as well. Maybe not. Just quickly, just to give a mention to two quick things that uh, we are all fairly big fans over here. I want to give a massive shout out for to uh, to Stardom for Utami versus Siuri for the World of Stardom Championship. That's absolutely amazing match. Yeah, um, it's amazing to be there and say that you can watch a match that went sixty minutes and a double count out seemed like the right seemed like an exciting end. No, I agreed. Agreed. And, like, I've been there and given Stardom some flack this year. I haven't been the biggest fan of Stardom this year, in all honesty. Yeah, no, um, I, I'm with you on that. But, no, this, 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 match, this match was absolutely fantastic. The exact kind of thing that uh, they needed, although I will say, QJPW is still up in my rankings. 
and then just finally, uh, on this week's theme, PCW <laughs> uh, held its Outlaw Mud Show event live from the Albany County Fairgrounds in Laramie, Wyoming. <laughs> and it was absolutely, it was absolute insanity. <laughs> and it was fan freaking tastic i man i'm i i mean i talked about it the other day or the other week with you guys about it about my favorite promotion gcw slowly crawling up there yeah yeah i mean their themed events this year have just knocked it out of the park for me <laughs> that's how mm. yeah no, so absolutely i mean um if you want some if you want some great matches out of this uh effie versus warhorse was absolutely fantastic <laughs> yes uh, if you want to see a man have his head get taken off, AJ Gray versus Orin Vate. <laughs> uh, you could you could see Ricky Morton, who's still wrestling. Mm. What? Against Adios Koga. Yes, Ricky Morton is still wrestling. Excuse me? What the fuck is he doing He's that wrestling for? wrestling for GCW for like the last two years at this point. My God, you can take you, 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 you can never kill the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> You cannot kill Ricky Morton. It's genuinely a, a feat of human engineering. <laughs> and perseverance. Yes. What the thing is, right, we're here, and you know, like, often now you talk about, like, um, older wrestlers, you know, going back into the ring. Um, dude, Ricky Morton still goes fine. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy! It's crazy how he could still go, just as well as. He it's, did. Like, it's like I said to people. It's it's crazy to me that you know WWE has built this perception now where like people just don't like seeing older wrestlers return because they feel that they stink up the place. Meanwhile, I watch like we watch like Cyber Fight Fest and I see <laughs> Keiji Muto do a moonsault at like fifty eight. And Jun Akiyama holding up DDT Pro as its champion. Sting at sixty two still fucking it's going. So, so funny. It's so, I just love it because it's just like it's just like you know, you have like I mean, I obviously Goldberg is like his own thing entirely. Yeah, <laughs> where he just like does like two minute matches and is like completely tired. I just see like KG Muto work like a thirty minute match. And I'm just like, what is going on here? <laughs> oh, I love this game. <laughs> I love 2021, the year of the old age pensioners taking back wrestling. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Famous <laughs> last words. Yeah. <laughs> Famous last words. Just as a quick run through of the events coming up, obviously on the today, the day of recording, it will be Hell in a Cell. Cage in a cage. <laughs> yeah. Penis in um, your penis. <laughs> I've already made my Hell in a Cell best female wrestler you'd ever do joke. So that is true. <laughs> um. We have uh, Slammiversary coming up for Impact on July 17th. Yeah. Uh, and in August, it will be SummerSlam. So we'll be obviously be staying tuned for all of those and all the other crazy events that are coming up soon. Uh, like with uh, like New Japan have something coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I would need to check that properly because I, I'll be honest, the Kazuna Road matches haven't been that great. Agreed. <laughs> they certainly haven't been that interesting. <laughs> Um, at least to me anyway. So with that, though, we are done with the news.
Awesome. So, Rin, do you have anything for Recommendation Corner this week? In fact, I do. Continuing on with our theme of Pride Recommendation Corner, we I will be recommending Sage Hayden of Just Right, the YouTuber who has done a lot of great, great video analysis. Mm. I have, a, like, so many good ones. And I don't know which one. So I will um, recommend um, a couple. I recommend his one on The Rise of Skywalker being the most frustrating J.J. Abrams movie. <laughs> um, his magnum opus, A Praise of Hook, a flawed classic. <laughs> on finally understanding the Matrix sequels, as we are big Matrix um, fans here. Yeah, Hell yeah, we are. And last, but certainly not least, an analysis of recess in in regards to the concept of late stage capitalism. (laughs) I am watching that when we get off of this. It's such a good one. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah. No, that one is such a good one. Very specifically called A Disney Monopoly is a Problem According to Disney's Recess. Great, (laughs) great video. Highly recommend all of all of his stuff and he is a bisexual boy which we love so (laughs) shout out to you awesome awesome all right and just as 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 a little side as well in case you missed it i kind of may have possibly co-edited joseph monticilio's latest video Of course. Nah, kind of. You definitely did that. Definitely. definitely. Yes. We out here doing I'm that. It with chest. Chest. <laughs> out there doing that. <laughs> the whole of the game needs to respect the name. The Hello. whole of YouTube. The whole of wrestling Twitter needs to respect the name. Hello. <laughs> How do you do? I'm the one that does this videos now. All caps when you say his name. Hi, I'm Sam. Let me get a hell yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. So fuck the WWE. Oh, hell. no, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. Say it again. Say it again. Anyway, should we quickly get onto the subject before yeah, we derail? Yeah, let's get onto the subject. Anymore? Yes. It is. Welcome to a history of hardcore wrestling. So chaps we have talked about ecw before we have lightly touched upon death matches and all hardcore wrestling entails are you looking forward for me giving you a short truncated history on the on, on hardcore wrestling oh god hardcore wrestling a history of blood a history <laughs> of violence and honestly talking to you guys because you guys are actually deathmatch watchers as particularly yeah, dan cool. Yeah. Particularly Dan, I think. Uh, I now have to talk about, like, it's interesting because we can actually talk about our opinions and how it is, how our feelings towards, like, extreme wrestling violence has changed. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So before I get on, just a couple of thank yous. Uh, one to uh, John Hancock for his article, There Will Be Blood, The Brief History of Hardcore Wrestling, which was great. And just basically everyone on pretty much every single wrestling forum and res- and hardcore wrestling Twitter that I could find. They were massive help in me kind of grabbing everything I possibly could for this here episode. Okay, so part one, there will be blood. Gentlemen, 
question before I get onto the brief history. As you said, Ridden, what are your thoughts and feelings on hardcore wrestling in today's day and age? Um... I, you know, as a kid, I, I think as a kid, I was much more a lover of just brutal wrestling. <laughs> like, because I'm an attitude error slash ruthless aggression baby, we saw, like, we actually saw, like, quite brutal violence become m- mainstream wrestling. Like, this is what, this is part and parcel of I mean, a yeah, match. I, I think part of that was that generally in in wider culture and media that also became the norm as well i think so well because i'm thinking i'm thinking about in context as well of like you know with that you had like the i'm not gonna say like you know the rise of like you know your super gore horrors yeah but like i feel like that was starting to become a thing you know, there was, like, the weird kind of cult of fascination around, like, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I see what you mean. Mm. Uh, you know it, was, it, was like, it was like the shackles of, like, portraying blood in media had been, like, broken away from the wall. Yeah. I, it's, it's a weird one, because I've always, with that, I feel especially violence, for violence's uh, sake, really went up. Uh, especially after the events of of September the eleventh, two thousand and one, because you saw a very big culture. For me personally, I saw a very big cultural shift in a lot more grittier and violent content. Because pretty much after that, let's not forget, a month after that, GTA three came out and blew everybody's expectations out of the water. You're right, actually. It was supposed to come out two weeks before, but they had to scramble, of course, and change a lot of New York uh, depictions of New York in that game uh, because of what had happened. But after that, we got 24, which was Mm. hugely hyper-violent for its time as a TV show. Um, We had a lot of, I mean, more violent video games from Rockstar that were coming out, a lot more gritty, crime-based... Yeah. Uh, dramas on TV. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. Because nineteen, uh, I believe it was nineteen ninety nine, was when The Sopranos first came in. Yeah, exactly. So, wow. Um, yeah. And then, and I think with that, I feel like with ruthless aggression, they kind of did almost. I would say maybe even doubled down on the violence. It's so much it's like, like, like they, I mean, it was violent in Attitude Era, but I remember a lot more matches in the ruthless aggression that were very, very violent. Yeah, actually. Like the, the Texas Bull Rope match between JBL and Eddie Guerrero was really violent. Mm. Mm. So, like, growing up in that, I felt like I loved that stuff. As I have yeah. gotten older, I have hated seeing it more and more. Mm. Because probably just due to, like, becoming an adult and knowing that these people are actually human. I don't think as a kid you really quite no, you don't Realize conceptualize it. it in the same yeah. way. Yeah. So, like, for instance, I've talked about this before. The um, the the match between um, Cody and 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 Dustin Rhodes. Mm, yeah. Where like I I found that extremely hard to watch. Yeah. And like I I think my um, 
my my patience and my stomach for it is gone way down. <laughs> like I am a no, I know what you mean. now. I know. Which which we which we will get to with which is why I do not watch deathmatch wrestling. I can't do it. So can't you know, I, I, unlike me and Dan, we're both gremlins, basically. Yeah, yes, yes. Like, like, like I the like third I, term is ghoul. Ghoul, yes. yes. Ghouls. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you ghouls. But um, I will say, however, um, it's a good thing that we're talking about this because I actually did do some preparation. Ooh. Where Hell I yeah. where I watched um the the episode of Dark Side of the Ring interviewing Nick Gage. Oh, Hell what's the yeah. Gage That's episode? Yeah, which is the yeah the ultra violence of Nick Gage, which is absolutely. I wish it was longer. My only criticism is that I honestly that should have been like a two hour one because I really yeah. wanted to know more. But watching that intrigued me. I will say, <laughs> however, however. Everyone in that situation is out of their mind. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you want me to just like start shooting off? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So my my love of I guess hardcore and extreme wrestling obviously came from early exposure to it from stuff like the Attitude Era and Ruthless Aggression, mm. um, and probably as probably as much as my family curse it early exposure to stuff like CCW but via my cousins <laughs> hell um, yeah as i as i have spoken as i spoke about many a time that was questionably legal which is the only way to watch CCW from that era <laughs> exactly um and yeah so i can't like say that that isn't like a massive influence behind it mm. um as I kind of said, like I feel like there was that kind of weird growing fascination with violent media, just mm. in general throughout a bunch of forms. Because, like, I say to people, yeah, people who come to me and say, like, "Oh, why do you watch death matches? That you know, it's garbage wrestling. It's just people beating each other up and blood for the sake of blood." Mm. And I kind of always say it as it's kind of the same reason I watch people watch horror movies. Yes. It's just kind of a like a, I guess a mix of like morbid curiosity, yeah, and like inherent drama that comes from it, mm. i.e. the stakes. <laughs> yeah, not to justify it or in a, in a, or any way. <laughs> yeah, like, I... I know because like I know a lot of my uh, a lot of my friends who I've spoken about, and I mentioned that I've mentioned to you that I do like deathmatch wrestling call me an absolute nutter yeah. and yeah. say like oh you're you're sick in the head or something i i um, will there, like there arguably yeah. is a, there arguably is a case for that yeah i will like though i will agree watching that watch i will say like watching that um that episode actually made me understand it a little bit more in that there's this kind of like it kind of got me back into that headspace and kind of made me understand why I liked it so much. It's like there... I've always I've always said it to people as it's kind of like how far can someone push the limits? Yeah. Yeah. It, how it, far it, it almost, is someone going to go? It almost kind of 
love to put a too fine a point on it. It almost kind of reminds me of like weird performance art. Yeah. Yeah. It, it for, for me, it's like a showcase of like how far can you take the human body? Mm. Not again, not necessarily saying that's like a good or right thing to do in any case. <laughs> and Nick Gage yeah. knows that all too damn well. But like, yes. it, it, it is this thing for me of like this weird kind of semi performance art drama of like humans taking themselves to the absolute limit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, as I said, like, and I, I will throw, I will throw a big qualifier on this, which is that a lot of the time I actually hate much older deathmatch wrestling. Really? Yeah. Which I've often said is closer to violence for violence's sake. <laughs> no, yeah. No. It is people being deliberately unsafe and willingly putting other people in harm's way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. In, in in a lot of cases yeah that's and that's that very basically stems to like especially in a couple of territories which i'll talk about in this i was gonna say so oh. like late i guess it was mostly the 90s mm. that was probably the late 90s and early 2000s were the worst for it mm. where it was just kind of like cool basically do whatever you want as long as you don't kill them like that was your bound. Yeah. Whereas mm. now it's kind of. <laughs> I mean, I guess people could say it's become more analogous with traditional wrestling, mm. just with extra violence and more safety. <laughs> <laughs> For the most uh, part, which I, would, anyway. which I would never say is a bad thing. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but. You know, like a lot of those, ma- a lot of those earlier matches I've seen, it's kind, of, it is almost like it's almost gladiatorial. Yeah, and that's in the worst way. Hmm. Mm. But yeah. with, with how with how it's come on now, it, it it feels like it's kind of drama with stakes, but this like. Not even a veneer, but just, like this inherent level of violence that takes it beyond something else. Just with more light tubes. More light tubes. <laughs> so many damn light tubes. Because <laughs> they're cheap and easy to acquire. Anyway. Yeah, buy them for three quid. <laughs> so can... let us get into the brief history then. Uh, I, I say brief, but this will be, <laughs> we know what these like when I say the words brief when it comes to these history retrospectives. Brief in wrestling is like 30 minutes. <laughs> in, in, indeed, indeed, indeed. So, pro wrestling in the 1950s was always a big draw, even with its dwindling attendances at the time. And that always came from heated rivalries culminating at giant live shows. But at this time, most fans had seemingly seen everything that a rivalry could entail. I mean, you have like uh, the TV show, the syndicated TV show, you'd have a match there. And then oh, that was always to promote, you know, having a, the National State Fairgrounds to a sea of ten to 20,000 people to come watch Lou Fairs beat up the local heel talent. But uh, one thing that sprung upon wrestling at this time in the 50s would change the entire trajectory of the industry forever. Blood. (laughs) 
Yeah. Now, we all know what blading is, of course. Reardon, for people who don't know, would you like to have a Pokedex uh, entry for blading? Oh, 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 this is interesting. Okay, Pokedex. Blading. So... So, um, to so not to to put a too fine a point on it, getting getting hit so hard that you bleed is very unsafe. <laughs> I think we can all establish that. Yep, very much. But unfortunately, blood has a very visible, visceral kind of fucking cool element to it. <laughs> so, how do you do give the people what you want? relatively safely well the carnies of wrestling figured it out <laughs> i blading it's quite simple really you get a razor you hide the razor either taped up or in some crazier cases in the mouth yep which i've always just like no 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 <laughs> and during and using a bit of sleight of hand and misdirection simply nick yourself on the head or the arm or wherever it is you need to hopefully not a major artery dear god <laughs> and sure enough that light cut on the head will gush out eventually as especially when you're getting hit and you will get what is known also as the crimson mask or the rick flair special <laughs> fun yeah. fact most wrestlers would take an aspirin just to make their blood thinner so it makes it a lot easier for it to pour out yes and that is blading if you want to see blading in uh, a visual component of blading i recommend watching uh podcast film favorite the wrestler to see it in action exactly that's basically it uh, watch rick flair finish cutting a promo yeah. <laughs> yes. yes honestly <laughs> watch rick flair do anything a man who i honestly think is a bit of a is a hemophiliac frankly why do you think he has All his the, hair honestly, blonde? it like, makes the blood show easier that he has platinum blonde hair yeah it all makes sense, right? <laughs> like a man who a man who will just bleed in a in a promo randomly when shouting to Carlito for God's sake. Yes. Oh my god. So, as Rinan said, the TLDR version is the intentional act of cutting oneself with a concealed razor blade to produce blood. But the earliest way to draw blood was to scrape your knuckles across the brow of your opponent. Um oof. Uh, not necessarily Pokedex, but I guess the first case of wrestling thesaurus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> also thesaurus. known as also known as Hardway. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that was that's just just because uh, I think that the tried and tested method was uh, grabbing someone by the hair when they were on their knees, giving them a sucker punch to the eyebrow, twisting your knuckle, and then scraping it across the brow. Oh my god, no. To which now, All of a sudden, using a razor blade over your eyebrow seems a little <laughs> bit easier. Fun fact, we're going to fast forward to 96 to WrestleMania 13. That Hollywood parking lot brawl between Roddy Piper and Goldust. Oh, Dustin had asked Piper to bleed him hard way, that way. But what did Piper do? He just twatted him on the forehead <laughs> twice <laughs> and broke his hand. <laughs> That's the most Piper thing. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's the most amazing story. And again, if you want to know more about that, go watch Inside the Ropes video. And to be fair, I'll be there and say, sometimes watching someone uh, choose, choose to bleed, or maybe not necessarily even choosing to bleed hard way, is even more uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> it really See, See Brock Lesnar yeah, hard wearing Randy ver- Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton, because that is honestly harrowing for that is- yeah. Oh shit, did yeah, that was ugh. anyway. <laughs> the drawing of blood came to with the concept of a more brawling, street fighting style of wrestling that thrived on its violent nature. One of the first wrestlers to embrace this style was classy Freddie, or classy Freddie Blassie. Sorry, I should pronounce it that way, shouldn't I? Because it is supposed to rhyme. Blasty. Classy Freddie Blassie. Uh, <laughs> so, no, as everyone knows, Blassie was best remembered as a manager in the early days of the WWF. He was notorious for being the man to bring violence to the US and Japanese scenes. He first hit fame in 1953 with the NWA in Georgia as the snobbish hill to enrage the southern wrestling fans. But it was here he fully embraced the bloody brawling style and created his signature head bite, which earned him the nickname The Vampire. After this, he was infamous... Well, sorry, from this, he was infamous for filing his teeth to sharp, serrated points to make it easier to cut into opponents' foreheads. Uh, reminder for none of that, please. A reminder to everyone listening in. Wrestling, in its heart of heart, is pure carny shit. <laughs> there are so many famous videos. You see him with, like, a metal filer filing his teeth down. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. I teeth anyway for yeah. the first place. But... Ah, why, Freddy? Would you, I mean, Jesus the headlight was enough, but Jesus, man. <laughs> so another man worth mentioning during this time is Dory Funk Sr., the father, of course, of Dory Jr. and Terry. After making his name in the Texas contingent of the NWA, NWA Southwest, he developed his brawling and violent style and took it to new heights with a brand new concept, the Texas Deathmatch, one of the very first matches to incorporate weapons in its stipulation. From this, NWA Southwest would end up creating the NWA Texas Hardcore Championship in 1953. And funnily enough, that belt lasted until 2001. Oh my god. Making it one of the, I think it was one of America's longest running uh, uh, championships. Uh, certainly one of the longest pretty, running. I was going to say, that's pretty long for an NWA title. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, minus the World Heavyweight Championship. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that title was held by such greats as Fritz von Erich, Iron Mike DiBiase, and Killer Kowalski, of all people. But it wasn't just Texas making waves. Detroit was a massive scene in hardcore wrestling and gave rise to names like Bobo Brazil, Abdullah the Butcher, and of course its most influential name, The Sheik. Ed Farhats, the man famous for using chairs, sharpened pencils, and his most infamous weapon, the fireball. Hell, that just sounds so cool, man. I just, I love the fact it's just light touch paper. He just throws it in people's faces. (laughs) There you go. How do you, that's the question I want to ask you too. How in the world in a wrestling match, if you're wearing trucks, do you conceal a lighter and light touch paper? Odd piece. 
Fuck, you're right. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no question. Um... Question is, what about a Zippo lighter? Would you put it that so cl that close? Oh. Something that heavy. Honestly, once you're getting into Texas death matches as a career, yes, I guess. <laughs> Honestly, at that rate, I think you just got to take the risk on a bick. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now, of course, as you uh, as you two and everyone knows, the Sheik most famous for being the relative of one genocidal, homicidal, suicidal maniac that is Sabu, and of course trained him and one Rob Van Dam. Crazy, yep. isn't it? The Detroit no, scene was really. crazy. <laughs> hey, do you remember? This is just going to give me an excuse to make her time. Do you remember that time when in the ECW revival when Sabu started using the camel clutch? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because why not? Arabian character? He's got to have the camel clutch, surely. Try, I mean, remember Muhammad Hassan? Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, Memphis was another hotbed for rough and ready brawling matches such as empty arena matches and they adopted the concept of brawling around the entire arena so you know the the, the image of two guys going up the stands fighting in the concession booths and that that all came from from Memf from the Memphis scene uh Jerry Lawler Terry Funk Bill Dundee and Eddie Gilbert were some of the most famous names to use this hardcore style in various type of matches such as cage matches dog collar matches scaffold matches all of the ones that we can think of so yeah jerry lawler even though we see know him as the the the, the horn dog on commentary in wwf he was notorious for being a very rough and ready brawler using a lot of weapons in his matches in the memphis territory i forget oh, yeah. so often that 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 Jerry the King Lawler was a wrestler at one point. <laughs> I forget so often. <laughs> I've watched a number of Jerry Lawler's matches from back in that day, but damn, man, did he when he tried to draw blood? He really wanted to everyone to to, I mean, to, to God, see that he the, drew blood because uh, it was the the match he had with um, Terry Funk, Empty Arena. That was yeah. what eighty-three. Yeah, an incredible match, but God damn, is it violent as hell? Like, yeah, yeah. Terry Funk, the match still... which made Terry Funk start with the whole my eye thing, but I think it was like it was the one that, that, that it was the one that kind of uh, started the heated rivalry. It, we'll say between Lawler and Funk. Question, <laughs> question, actually, real quick. Oh God! For you've seen as you've actually seen like young Terry Funk. Did young Terry Funk actually look young, or has he always looked like? Oh, he's always looked old. He's always okay. looked old. I don't know. I don't know what it is, right? But you never see those pictures of. I mean, maybe you see pictures of your parents, or just like from like, you know, real life stills from like that era, and they're like college students leaving leaving the building i look at them like they all look like they're 35 <laughs> yeah yeah they did say like it is a thing that like people age so dramatically back in the day mm. <laughs> i feel like the funks are a prime example of that in texas they've always like they came out the womb looking like they were 37 mm. <laughs> anyhow 
Puerto Rico was also infamous for raising the blood-soaked bar to uncomfortable heights, with Carlos Colon, the invader, and of course Abdullah, uh, the butcher, using knives and forks to, and copious amounts of blood soaking the canvas. Of course, Abdullah's p preferred weapon of choice was a fork to stick that and jab it right in their, his opponent's foreheads. Yeah, so, as I said earlier with uh, my issues around early deathmatch wrestling uh one of the things i can say about abdullah the butcher is that he was notorious for just deciding to do it anyway with complete reckless disregard for the other person he was working with yes yep. yes abdullah yes. is um yeah he was a he, he, he's problematic the dude was problematic yes. for that oh, in many, many, in many, many ways. so problematic it's not even of course like, the of course like, everyone knows the famous story of that abdullah cut his head open so many times the scar tissue he was able to put a quarter and stick it in the scar tissue he used to do it with poker chips yep there's, there's, there's one very problematic story about Abdullah the Butcher that we'll maybe never share on here. I'm definitely not sharing it right now. No, me neither. Me neither. Uh, I'm not sharing that. Time, but if the time comes up, then we will discuss it. But yeah, it I mean, we're genuinely not gonna... concerning on a mass scale. Uh, and of course, we'll never talk about the Chamber of Horrors match. <laughs> <laughs> I try and avoid it every single opportunity I get. <laughs> but I've I've seldom rarely watched matches from Puerto Rico because they rarely is getting access to them is quite difficult. But I have watched I, I have watched a number of Carlos Colon's matches, uh, the Invader matches as well, and holy the one visual you'll get is just how disgusting the blood could be sometimes i mean they some i mean i'll tell this much they don't replace their canvases very often because yeah. it's like you could pick up anything from that canvas if you take a bump on it again it's like as i said like finding footage from around that time isn't exactly easy mm. yeah. uh i've only really seen like I don't know, two, you know, kind of two or three around that time that aren't, say, like, Bruiser Brody matches. Yeah. That's mm. most of the footage out there that I've seen. But again, it's still, like, horrifying. Really? If anything, if anything <laughs> the kind of camera work of that era makes it feel much worse. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it really looks really snuff film. Oh, yeah. God, does it? <laughs> it's like a. It looks like a person just holding a tiny camcorder. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that is part one done. We're going over to part two. The neon-soaked, bloody canvas. Okie doke. I, this is where I get to talk about the late eighties to nineties, and of course, from this we've got to talk about frontier martial arts wrestling and one at <laughs> Sushi Onita. FM Dub. <laughs> FM Dub. So, in 1989, FMW was founded in Japan and became the first promotion dedicated largely to the wild, brawling, hardcore style. The company was founded by one Atsushi Onita, and he's now gotten back FMW, which is great to see, <laughs> if I'm honest. I mean, it's like his fourth try at it. <laughs> Can't blame the guy for trying. Can't it's like the it's like the fourth revival of the thing he started in like the mid 80s. It's honestly <laughs> impressive at this rate. 
it's he was the one that very much uh, adopt a very a much more crazier style. He escalated it to legitimately dangerous levels. Uh, incorporate. He was the first guy to incorporate barbed wire, C four explosions, exploding barbed wire ropes, and landmines. That became known, of course, as the, uh, the as the as as the modern incarnation of the death match. <laughs> so, Don't forget that the landmines land were underneath barbed wire. <laughs> exactly. The hell are you doing with landmines, my dude? <laughs> Where do you even get those? Where do you even get C four and landmines? So, I mean, I think a part of that is that. It wasn't actually C four. <laughs> yeah, but they were they were basically like, I guess almost like high power fireworks. Pretty much, pretty but like, much. Not I I know what the, it was something like they were meant to be used for like some industrial thing. Yeah. Oh, I think I might know. They might uh, depending. I want to say it was for um, land clearance, but yeah, it wasn't. I, they, they were like they were like high powered fireworks. Yeah. They might they might have used of a, a small emphasis on smaller amount of tannerite. Mm. Could have been. Yes, I. I by I the way, so. By the way, for my uh, for our American listeners, how the fuck do you guys just have tannerite? How are you just <laughs> able to just get that shit? Exactly. Ridiculous. So, Ridiculous. So, Ruda, would you like to know a little bit more about Atsushi Onita while we're here? Oh, absolutely. So, born in 1957, Atsushi Onita is a Japanese actor, politician, and semi-retired professional wrestler. Known, of course, best as the founder and owner of Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. Trained and was the first true graduate of All Japan Wrestling's dojo, was trained by Giant Baba, but then ended up gaining further knowledge by travelling to Amarillo, Texas and being trained by Dory and Terry Funk. <laughs> Alright, so like when FMW came around, how do you think Bubba was feeling when he saw one of his like prize pupils leading this? Slightly pissed, I would imagine. <laughs> I imagine strong. incredibly annoyed. I mean, at that time, of course, as everyone knows, like the King's Road style had a very rough and heavy kind of thing, and there was there was always a sight of blood. I mean, the prime example for me is a great example was uh, Kawada versus Tawe from '91. That drew yeah. blood, and that was a very good. That was kind of a very kind of violent, rough and ready kind of uh, match for sure. But no, even I, if I'm a barber, I would be like, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> like one of your one of your prized pupils for your. Um junior heavyweight division just disappears to texas and comes back he's like i'm gonna do a match with landmines around it <laughs> <laughs> so it's so crazy. i feel like i feel like an important point here is we, like again as we get towards this more modern incarnation of hardcore wrestling a lot of the people doing it weren't bad wrestlers <laughs> they weren't bad wrestlers at all that's the thing <laughs> They I were mean, all very well-trained people. I mean, from, from from these early days, he was teaming up with Masa, Masanobu Fuchi. You know, he, yeah. of course, being trained by Giant Barber, he would end up, you know, having matches as... Um, being able to work with Chavo Guerrero Senior at one point and fighting for the NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship, which is like... 
that is one of Onita's like in early in his early days was one of his most um, famous uh, rivalries. Uh, he ended up, of course, you know, uh, you know, at this time, of course, we had Tatsubi Fujinami and we had Satoru Sayama in the New Japan making waves. But Onita stood on his own, being able to be a great junior heavyweight. Again, it's just you would never think that nowadays. <laughs> but uh, after that, he would end up, of course, uh, forming Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. Originally, being issuing a challenge to shoot wrestlers in the UWF. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, they they rejected, but he ended up having a martial uh, a fight with martial artist Masa Masashi uh, Ay- Ayoyagi, I believe. Masashi Ayoyagi, I believe it was um, him. Oh, karate uh, martial artist in the I believe it was the World Karate Association in 1989. But Onita was disqualified because he was using wrestling moves. <laughs> 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 So he, in, in his, begrudgingly, he took it personally. Onita was like, "Fuck this! I'm forming my own company," and thus FMW was born. That's the greatest origin story I think I've ever heard. <laughs> now, of course, Onita is 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 so famous for having many a barbed wire death match, exploding ring death matches. Of course, everyone knows the 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 very famous barbed wire exploding death match. Um, at sea, a uh, death yep. match where they'd have a ring in the sea or in a very <laughs> giant pool of a death match, and you eliminated someone by throwing them into the water. But here's the kicker, Ridden if you hit the water, the water would explode. <laughs> and this is again, I'm, 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 I'm barely going I into just, it. I just, I'm just being there, right. Like, I have to assume that anyone that was on, like, the organization team for FMW, however big it was, but I assume it must have been bigger than just Onita. Oh, absolutely. So here's the thing, right? FMW had a hell of a lot of notable names in its roster and its alumni. I mean, looking at... But, but like, like, just level with me for a second on this right <laughs> you're there and you've already had it told to you that Onita's like alright we're gonna have a barbed wire um <laughs> rope match right yeah and that's also gonna be rigged up with explosives now what I want you to do is I want you to take that I want you to put it in the sea yes and now what we're gonna do is have a match right you gotta put someone into the sea alright but when they hit the sea it's gotta explode <laughs> Do you want to know who was the person who took that bump, though, uh, Dad? Is it Mick Foley by Charles or Terry Funk? No, it was Mike Awesome. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Right. Oh, Mike Awesome for life. <laughs> of course, FMW uh, was the one that gave birth to the amazing rivalry of Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. Yeah. Oh, shout out Masato Tanaka. It's, in- it's insane to me that, A, he's still wrestling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and- honestly be moving at all <laughs> <laughs> exactly so uh, to go down a little bit of their alumni uh of course we had onita as the owner and of course the big uh, the big can i can there. i can i mention one can i mention my favorite from the fmw roster though absolutely well actually my favorite too first off 
Dude, gotta get some higher booster love in here. Yes. Let's get some higher booster love in here because that man was incredible. Yes. He was. And and up. it tra it tracks with my my firm belief ever since like the mid eighties. There's something I don't know what <laughs> that for some reason equates hardcore wrestling or deathmatch wrestling and really good junior heavyweights. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for prime example, I've... Chris Jericho and Lance Storm first went in. Went for their first debut in Japan was with an FMW. I don't know what it is. FMW's done it. ECW's done it. CCW's done it. <laughs> and I guess now GCW's doing it as well. Yeah. But for some reason, there's this weird connection between hardcore wrestling and really good junior heavyweights. Yeah. <laughs> So, would you like to know that Brian Danielson at one point wrestled in the FFW? Literally no surprise to me at that all. Is, doesn't surprise me enough. I'd imagine probably a good chunk of the ROH roster did. Yep, yeah, they, they did. Genichiro Tenryu wrestled. Great Sasuke. Yep. Hayabusa, as you said. Jedo yep. and Gedo, of course they did. Kenshi. Okay, but Gedo, Gedo surprises me like literally zero percent <laughs> i don't know why but something about get i'm just like yeah of course he fucking would uh ken shamrock yep yep <laughs> you're not gonna believe this one leon spinks the american professional boxer for <laughs> <FMW. laughs> okay now now we're in onita mode <laughs> now, now okay now you have my attention what in solely God's as a boxer as well <laughs> Oh my god, I wish he was just a, a boxing ring with barbed wire okay, around. So so Spinks so Spinks died I think this year or I think this year actually. Mm. So oh god, I hope he got interviewed. I hope there's some interviews on that. Because what the hell is he doing there? <laughs> It's I amazing. Of course, as everyone knows, the character of Knuckles in the FMW video yeah. game was based on Leon Spinks. Um, we have Dr. Lufus now in AEW. Yep. Uh, Magumi Kudo, of course, is one of the inc most incredible okay, female competitors. Can I share the story about Magumi Kudo that makes us even better? Yes, you absolutely that can. Obviously, Magumi Kudo had, had done wrestling training before wrestling with um, AJW. Mm. Uh, but AJW had a thick, like a mandatory, mandatory retirement. Mm-hmm. So she retired and became a school teacher. <laughs> yeah. At which point Onita was like, hey, do you want to work for my wrestling company? <laughs> At which point she then became one of the foremost women's stats in the world and for hard and for intergender deathmatch wrestling. Yep. <laughs> I have so many fucking questions. I have so many. <laughs> I don't know where to begin. I really don't. <laughs> I really do not know where to begin with that. Of course, I'll I'll I'll, I'll name the rest of them as you comprehend that, Reardon. Right, Pat Tanaka, Ricky Fuji, The Rock and Roll Express, Sabu, The Sheik, uh, Takamichinoku, Terry Funk, Tiger Jeet Singh, Big Van Vader, and of course, the one that surprises always everyone, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, of course, and Freddy Krueger. Let's not forget Freddy Krueger. Now, I have to check this right because I believe we, I believe I ended up mentioning this in something else that I did. Mm. 
Wasn't it that he refed a match in FMW? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I can't remember what match it was. Shawn Michaels was in FMW. <laughs> I can't remember what match it was, but I just remember reading that he refed a match in FMW, and I was like, okay, so <laughs> I need to find this footage immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so it's safe to say... The FMW, especially in the age of tape trading, garnered a lot of attention in the US. <laughs> because of this, uh, and soon, pretty much soon after its formation, the US uh, would establish two independent promotions that had brief but significant runs in, in the professional wrestling history. We had the Philadelphia-based Tri-State Wrestling Alliance, and the National Wrestling Federation, uh, based in New York, both would uh, both uh, both companies' fires burned short, but they sure as hell burned bright and gave way to, of course, the National Wrestling Alliance Eastern Championship Wrestling, which then would morph into Extreme Championship Wrestling. Now, if you want to know more about ECW, go check out our two-parter episode on the history of ECW. Yeah. But no, it. but uh, to TLDR it, basically, e, uh, ECW was the very first, I would dare, I would dare say the very first uh, US company that took hardcore wrestling national. <clears throat> and yeah, it was on I'd totally agree with that. Um, basically, Shane Douglas did a thing and then people started getting put through tables. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you brought up tables because it was ECW that brought the gimmick of wooden tables to yep. the wrestling world. Their greatest, who, greatest contribution. Guess who invented it? Who invented it? Sabu. <laughs> yeah, of course he fucking so did. So Sabu was just like, how many more ways can I find to just throw myself through stuff? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Sabu had developed this gimmick when he was in Japan of throwing himself through propped up tables just to get a reaction out of the crowd. What? <laughs> just to get a reaction? Oh my See, god! See, this is what I mean when I say like my 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 views on Sabu are incredibly tilted to the side of I don't even know if I actually even like him <laughs> I'm just straight up afraid of him he's just confusing straight up, more than anything straight up afraid of Sabu yes I, I, that's understandable I, 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 yes no I'm, I'm with you there <laughs> it's just because but, who does that who just decides to do that that's what, no. but apparently it got over because uh, and, and, and the wrestlers loved doing it because it was a relatively safe spot and it broke a lot of people's falls but it also had the added benefit of sounding absolutely devastating so it's a win-win yeah. for everyone <laughs> so he brought it with him to ECW uh, where it became the focus of um, well basically every hardcore match it was a staple of ECW and it's so commonplace now that you will find a table under a ring of every indie promotion. Yep. <laughs> every promotion, frankly. Yes. Yeah. I feel like just having a table around is kind of right of passage at this point. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's like it's like obviously with with the 
I was going to use a word there, and I was like, I probably shouldn't, but because I, I feel that if I found I feel weird using fancy words next to hardcore wrestling. <laughs> with 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 the proliferation of the ladder match, <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, there's just five ladders underneath a ring. <laughs> okay. Nobody questions it. It's just what you need. So with ECW uh, making waves not only just in America, but also establishing a relationship with FMW, which took it over to them and became hugely popular, Japan saw that and they could only think of going bigger. So (laughs) this is when the era of hardcore promotions sprang up across the country, including Wrestling International New Generations or WING, we had IWA Japan, and of course, this, the uh, the most famous one, Big Japan Pro Wrestling. These you were the guys. Still horrify me to on this the day. Let's, let's, um, I was going to say, should we talk about Jun Sakai for a little bit, Dan? Uh, we could talk about Jun Sakai. The one I also want to say is, I know I don't think they're analogous to this time, but um, if you want a really good promotion that does deathmatch wrestling, Freedoms. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying, much like Big Japan, and and plenty much more uh, Jun Sakai, but Freedoms are great, and <laughs> their current champion right now is on an absolute roll. So um, I feel so bad that I can't remember his name, because yes. he's doing absolutely fantastically. But Reardon, would you like to know who Jun Sakai is? I fear you're going to tell me anyway. Jun Sakai is a Japanese death wrestler that is uh, that is held together by nothing but scar tissue. Is the base is the best way to put it, isn't it, <laughs> Dan? Uh, yeah, that's about that's about right. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm so sorry for bringing this up. No, he is a man who Jared. I mean, he is a, a deathmatch wrestler that um uh that 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 terrifies the hell out of me because <laughs> he he wrestles with a lot of reckless abandon a man with no he, front teeth yeah his his start his style is genuinely putting himself in harm's way yep oh boy <laughs> and his na- also his nickname is the crazy monkey for whatever that tells you <laughs> but he's know. over as hell in japan that's the thing also the thing that always makes me laugh or which for some reason always makes me laugh is that he's ba- that he's built from Philadelphia, america that's great. That, that, no notes. Perfect. But you know what? For all intents and purposes, he see, he, apparently he's a very warm and kind person and does have uh, a, a wife and children. Two children. Oh, good for him. <laughs> good for Jun Sakai, as I said. Good for yeah. him. I mean, but... the, the, again, it's one of those weird cases where, I mean, first off, I feel like an important thing to say is that Jun Kasai is not a bad wrestler. <laughs> like he's not a bad pure wrestler. Because <laughs> he's held he held an all Japan title this year. Yep. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh fun fact, do you know who he faced in that match? Uh I forgot who was it that he faced. <laughs> it was Yoshi Tatsu. Oh gosh, it was Yoshi Tatsu. <laughs> <laughs> who again, if you don't know, Yoshi Yoshi Tatsu, very good wrestler. Just the world's worst wrestling theme in WWE. Uh, they never got behind him, and it's travesty because he's amazing. Absolutely. Um, but no, like, Jun Kasai, again, obviously, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Does whatever, does whatever, 
uh, I will say he introduced one of my favorite things, which is the uh, introduction of wearing goggles during deathmatch death matches. I mean, safety first. Safety yeah. first, of course. <laughs> like, I think, I think a very much a good idea. Yes. Um, he, also <laughs> yes. To, he also comes to the ring with a crucifix uh, made out of basically plywood uh, that has razor blades attached to it. Jesus fucking make fuck. of that what you will Ed's Lord's I, make Ahoy. That, I make of that a few ways frankly Ed's Lord's Ahoy anyway so yeah it was these three companies in, J- in Japan that brought the brand new elements at that time of fluorescent light tubes thumbtacks flaming ropes and of course the most zaniest of them all live piranhas who did oh, that it was Big Japan that would do like oh, um, I don't even know. I should have should have said that. Now there are a number of matches, even on YouTube, believe it or not, of guys yeah. falling into pools or like coffin shaped pools of piranhas. And I believe there was one wrestler in particular that had uh, that had his ass bitten quite a lot actually. <laughs> and run out like running, screaming, holding onto his arm. <laughs> Because the one I can remember from Big Japan was they did, it was an intergender tornado tag, a hundred light tube match. <laughs> yes. Oh, Where Lord. every single, like, each side of the ropes was covered in light tubes. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a sight to see with a hundred light tube match. It is a sight mm. to see. It's a sight I to see when you imagine. get to the 200 light tube death match. Yes. Where the outside are also covered in light tubes. Okay, who... Okay, I got a question, actually. Yeah. Who started up with the bloody light tubes? Uh, I believe I it might have been... I for sure. I think it might have been IWA Japan, although don't quote me on that. Um, because... I was going to say it was probably IWA Mid South, but but uh, but no, I feel like oh, it could have been like especially in in America when it started out. I dare say it might have been XPW that started using light tubes, um, and then IWA Mid South, I believe. Um, but it's 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 hard to pinpoint it because in two thousand like that two thousand one two thousand two period of time. When every like when ECW had closed, everyone just threw caution, uh, like well, threw caution to the wind. Everyone was, trying was to do just everything. like, "What can what can we do to?" Mm. So the crazy. like, who used it first? The the waters are so muddied at that time. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if I had to say, I I don't think CZW were the first to use them. No, they certainly popularized it. Because mm. I can remember, because I can remember it's. CZW 2002 uh, I think mean, it's I can't remember his name but I can remember the move he used which was the assault driver if you can remember his name then please tell me <laughs> I should remember this because I have CZW like 2002 and CZW is like my favourite yeah oh, um, it was it was him it was him versus Nick Mondo <laughs> yeah sick Nick and Mondo and I remember and I remember that he did the assault driver <laughs> Rian you're going to love this <laughs> I'm not going to love this, am I? He did the assault driver off the back of a lorry <laughs> into a table which had light tubes stacked on it. What the fuck? 
Would you like to know now, Reardon, that Nick Bondo is the head of production and video at AEW? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a sidekick. <laughs> a bloody good video editor and and, and uh, director. Oh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I've seen. Do you want to know why? It's because he saw CZW's former camera work and was like, "Never having any of that again." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you're if I'm gonna get thrown into light tubes, they're gonna see it at least <laughs> several thousand times at every. Watching, angle. watching old, watching old CZW matches is just like. Good lord, this is painful. It really, really is. Um, Remember when I said about the old camcorder style? Imagine that, but in like 2002. Oh, yes. No. And continuing up to at least 2011. <laughs> so, getting back to where we were, the mid-90s, Megumi Kudo eventually campaigned hard and eventually women's death matches were uh, were added into FMW. The first one was Megumi Kudo versus Combat Toyota as a death match where the ring ropes were replaced with electrified barbed wire and explosives. And this set the precedent of women, many female wrestlers, having various brutal death matches in FMW. They used, of course, barbed wire ropes, barbed wire barricades, exploding barbed wire barricades, electrified exploding barbed wire ropes, broken glass, all... Any and all mixture of these <laughs> these options, right? Your God. Dear but God. these women went the extra step by using a lot more dangerous weapons such as barbed wire wrapped chains, flaming barbed wire baseball bats, and the oh, the most the most dangerous of them all, sickles. Oh no, 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 no. Okay, I'll be honest, I don't remember that one happening. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> uh, unfortunately for some of these, because these women were, there are a lot of these female competitors, of course, that were t that, that that threw caution to the wind so much and went and took it a step further. A lot of them were hospitalised after matches because it got no a bit too much. Yeah, shit. Uh, 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 a sickle will do that. Yeah. Yes. No shit. They got hospitalised. I believe Lioness Oscar was is one that springs to mind as one that had to yeah. be hospitalised because of after a death match. But no, it, they. I mean, fair credit where credit's due to Megumi Kudo, who's incredible. But damn. <laughs> like I. I, mean, I... I credit where to the women for having death matches at the start to go. You know what? We can kick as much ass as the as as the, as the dudes. Um, there is a limit. There is a limit, though. I mean, there's a reason why the guys weren't using flame barbed wire baseball bats. <laughs> it's because they knew. Yeah, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Again, like I say to people, there still should be a limit. <laughs> It's called being able to get to the end of the match. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, with this, with everything that's coming to the turn of the century and with its increasing popularity in America, ECW uh, prompts WCW and WWF to kind of go down the route of hardcore wrestling themselves and they made their own titles, the WCW Hardcore Championship and the WWF Hardcore Championship, which of course was made uh, famous for Mick Foley to just have hardcore oh, matches. Be honest, I remember nothing about the WCW Hardcore title. It was basically held by either Bam Bam Bigelow or Norman Smiley wearing hockey gear or wearing American football gear so he could protect himself from chair shots. Which, you know what? Fair play to Norman Smiley. He knew what he was doing. 
he he, he saw right, the look, future right. quite yeah. frankly because all i'm saying is right that's just smart <laughs> exactly and that works in kayfabe <laughs> and then, of course you know he would do the wiggle the butt wiggle that was he was norman smiley was famous for whilst wearing full hockey gear can we get some Norman Smiley love in here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Norman that man, Smiley's great, man. That man is responsible for so many talented wrestlers coming out of the WWE Performance Center. There's a whole... I'll tell you much. There is a reason why there are so many British greats training them. Regal, Robbie Brookside, and Norman Smiley. I'm saying mm. this, man. Norman British wrestling. British wrestling's good. I mean, nowadays. Mm, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Due to the choir a bit, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, with all of that, we get to the turn of the century and the last part: the game changes. So, of course, WC, uh, sorry, ECW is brought out by the WWE in two thousand and one, and this gives rise to many, many an independent promotion, and unfortunately, many a backyard federation as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. ACW can definitely have its presence felt in companies like Extreme Pro Wrestling, XPW, IWA Mid-South, and of course, Combat Zone Wrestling, which, funny enough, started in 1999. So as ECW was still around, CZW became a thing, but only gained a lot more popularity after ECW had shut yeah. its doors. Basically, it is kind of like it took the to- it was the torchbearer for ECW. Basically, I've always felt CZW. Well, was. yeah, because there was always uh, there was also IWA Mid South, which of course which gave... kind of continually flew on, which basically was like kind of always there, but just no one ever mentioned it for good reason. Yes, um, formed by Ian Rotten, I believe. I was I want to say mid nineties, mid to late nineties. Yeah, he formed it. I of think course, it was around ninety five. 95 yes um i want to say don't 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 take me verbatim on that i might be wrong (laughs) of course uh iwa mid-south is very famous for being the the kind of like home promotion and the place where chris hero colt cabana and cm punk got their starts in the wrestling business Mm. so a blood and guts promotion ends up becoming the home the, the home promotion and the start and the start of three of today's best wrestlers and possibly one of the most influential wrestlers of modern day yeah <laughs> crazy how that works isn't it yeah and they were doing God. it and they were having matches in a barn as well so there you go yeah. <laughs> it all comes full circle of course I think we'll be... also it was where um uh, Bryce Remsburg got his start Bryce Remsburg as a referee yeah, got his start there crazy isn't it <laughs> of course now we talk about ccw and with that we talk we have we we can't not talk about john zandick it's been a while it's been a while but jesus he's back and he's oh, God. ever the nutter he ever was uh john zandick born born john corson in 1971 founded <laughs> combat zone wrestling in 1999 with it being the tagline ultra violent wrestling of course this is where well everyone we know basically that has any sort of connection to hardcore wrestling kind of comes from um i mean gosh john moxley mate was made famous in combat zone wrestling 
Uh, Samoa Joe had a number of matches here. We talk about Ruckus and Eddie Kingston made their names in CCW. Uh, Human Tornado, uh, Trent Acid, rest in uh, in peace. Uh, Gosh, I mean, Drew Gulak for for a very very long time was the head trainer for czw believe it or not written wow okay based based out of uh based out of philly yeah based out of philly and he did compete in their tournament of deaths quite a bit actually Uh, drew gulak was was for a time the number one heel yep in czw <laughs> um, fun thing, if you've seen the the Dark Side of the Ring episode of Nick Gage, you'll know that of course Eddie Kingston as well competed in the Tournament of Death, and I can't believe they used the clip of Eddie Kingston getting light tubed and just the look of sheer oh what the fuck have I done on his face. <laughs> I mean, do you blame him? I, I, I mean, that's true. Again, I'm I'm following my record here, but if we're going to talk about CZW, let's talk about their junior heavyweights. Trent Acid, Sanjay Dutt got his start in CZW. Yes, uh, fun fact: <clears throat> Sanjay Dutt and Ruckus were both backyarders before joining CZW. <clears throat> um, Jody Fleisch and Jody still, still wrestling yeah. now. Blows my mind. Um, um again, Ruckus. Um, Johnny Cashmere as well yeah Johnny Cashmere <laughs> it's just like the names when you think about it of CZW Kid Cash was there as well Kid Cash for a little while was there yeah <laughs> but uh, believe it or not Zandig's first two students uh, in CZW were Justice Payne and Nick fucking Gage I you know Watching him wrestle for the first time, watching that documentary on him, it's kind of weird seeing this man who actually can wrestle. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but it's only now you mentioning that I'm like, oh yeah, he must have been trained somewhere. He wasn't trained into like a fucking pit with bears or some shit. <laughs> I mean, would it surprise you if that was the case for Nick Gage? No, it wouldn't have surprised me. I would have absolutely. If Nick Gage's training was just that he used to get into fights with people. Yeah, I honestly, on some level, just assumed that was the case. (laughs) Like, that man doesn't like. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have to learn. You have to learn somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Who better than Zandik? <laughs> I can think of many people. To Actually, be yeah, that, that, that's that, that's very true. That's very true. But I don't. I don't, Chris. Of course, you know we had the uh, from those guys. We had Fake U TV, and of course, it's it's a rise to popularity in two thousand and two to two thousand and three with the CZW Warriors uh, that included uh, Wife Beater, Gage, Trent Acid, Justice Payne, Johnny Cashmere, Nate Hatred. Ruckus, Nick Burke, Nick Mondo, you know. Oh, the... Nick Burke. Nick freaking Burke was uh, was off. Oh, freak of nature. <laughs> yes. Of course, as well, CCW was one of the very first companies to put their like their main title on a female competitor because uh, I yep. believe it was Kevin Steen that uh, told Zandig to just put the title on Lou Fisto. <laughs> He was right. Um, and he was absolutely right correct. to do so. Yeah. Because <laughs> Lou Fisto at that time was over as heck in uh, CZW. It, it, it's a point I'm going to get to when we get to the end and we get to the roundup. <laughs> um, but, like, it, again, 
this was a really, really good opportunity for Steen to be like, hey, you've got a talent here. This is something that we can do. Because mm. you're not constrained. You're not really constrained in the same way. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we've said many a time before about how good a wrestler Lufisto is. Yes. Mm. She's absolutely incredible. Um, both in terms of the deathmatch and outside the deathmatch. Yeah, absolutely. So, amazing, deci- amazing decision by them, and I'm happy that Steen was willing to stand up for her to get that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, after, it, it was a 10-year run with Zandig as the owner and head booker for CZW. Of course, we talk about with that time as well, I forgot the one person I, I com- almost completely forgot to bring up is, of course, the one and only Necro Butcher. What a name, yeah. man. The Necro Butcher, a rough and ready wrestler who That's wrestles... one way of putting it. But really? 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 A man called the Necro Butcher was a rough and ready wrestler? No, I mean, no. It... Rough and ready is really a way of describing it. Yes, oh. yes. Because um, this I man... have thoughts and feelings about Necro Butcher. So a man who wrestled with frazzled hair, massive beard, barefoot with jean shorts and a t-shirt. This was the guy that, um, well, took violence in CZW to a whole new level. If anyone's seen the match which recently uh, celebrated its anniversary of him versus Samoa Joe at the ECW arena, they know, holy crap, does that man... Has no care for his body or for other people. He's reckless disregard. He has so much reckless disregard. This man, Ridden, took a I think it was a uh, T-bone suplex from Joe off of the oh, yeah. uh, uh, off of the uh, apron, and rather than mm-hmm. taking the bump on his back, he thought he'd take the whole bump on his face onto the concrete. What? What? He does. He so when he when when Joe does like the. T-bone or the exploder, it's hard to tell what it is really meant to be. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why, he just doesn't rotate. Yeah. So nah. he basically just takes a flatliner from the apron to a concrete floor. No, no, no. See, it's those stories, it's those stories that make me go nope to yeah. death. Yeah, so look, me. right, I, I have thoughts about Necro Butcher. Both yeah. around him as a person and about his style. Yeah. Mm. And the the fact of his style is that it to me, it calls back to that thing of people acting with reckless disregard to the people they're working with. Yeah. Yeah. And there are many cases of that happening. <laughs> and oh, I know yeah. a lot of people hold him up in the pantheon of deathmatch wrestling and which in a way is kind of justified. Mm. I personally can't really abide by it in the same way. I know it seems like I'm splitting hairs because people say, well, isn't that just all deathmatch wrestling? But for me, he's not it. He, he, sometimes I, I, I'm in agreement with you that sometimes I feel like he takes it too far. If there is ever such a thing in, in, in hardcore wrestling, but I, I do sometimes feel like he does take it a little bit too far. But hey, what do I know? He was the one that got a featured role in The Wrestler of all things. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. God. 
Um, so as I was saying before I lost my train of thought there of course Zandig uh, would be the head booker and owner for a good solid 10 years and uh, until um, he was uh, his ownership or he took the ownership and gave it to DJ Hyde who is still presently there with David Marquez as well as the owners of CZW but from this uh, from CZW two people in particular Nick Gage and CZW, former CZW referee Brett Lauderdale would form Game Changer Wrestling. And honestly, um, this is the one I really wanted to end on and on a positive note because I feel what Brett has done for GCW has been such a breath of fresh air, uh, not only for kind of like independent wrestling, but for, for hardcore promotions because I feel like he's taken the stance of we can have our hardcore promotion. We can have our hardcore matches here and there. But people are going to grow stale of it very quickly. So let's just pepper in some really bloody good wrestling on top of that as well. Mm. He's been very... Brett Lauderdale, I can't help but applaud him because he's been very smart with how he applies hardcore wrestling to, to GCW. Yeah. You know, like considering that we're like, we're thinking about like our thoughts of like of hardcore wrestling and like all of deathmatch wrestling and all of this stuff. You just reminded me of a quote, actually, mm. an apocryphal quote <laughs> by um, Sir Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I know. Listen, listen this, is, this, this is the kind of content you go for in Switch. Okay, like. So what, again, this is just like tracking with me where I did the thing for Strain the Stranger Rings guys and I bring up Chekhov's gun in context of TLC two. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is it. This is just this is just our brand. Yeah. Of um the um when working with Marathon Man, working in that Marathon Man with Dustin Hoffman, who is, you know, a legendary, some would say notorious method actor. Mm. And in order to um and to like to make sure that when he came in he was out of breath he would run like marathons he would do it he would run laps and all that stuff and apparently Lawrence Olivier after a bit just went up to her and said why don't you try acting it's much easier <laughs> <laughs> and i think that is kind of like the issue that you'll never get around with deathmatch wrestling in my yeah. view mm. in that why don't you just try wrestling? It's so much safer than this. And I often like, I often really want to ask, which is actually a slight criticism of, um, of the Nick Gage, um, documentary, but you know, I really just want to know why this, you know what I mean? Mm. Do, you want a... the answer, do you want the answer for a lot of old deathmatch wrestling? Yeah, go ahead. The answer for a lot of old deathmatch wrestling, circa kind of mid nineties to early two thousands, was that they were all people that had recovered from addictions, and so they found a new one to replace it, which was getting basically yeah. adrenaline off deathmatches. Wow. Yeah. It's bleak. That's a bleak. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is. is a, that is that is on the record for a few deathmatch wrestlers of the period. Hmm. Mm. For current deathmatch wrestling, I can't really say. I guess it's for a lot of people for progression of the art form mm. Mm. and giving it its own niche. And so when we get towards the end, it's a thing I'll say is I'll mention it as well. 
I mean, I mean, would you? I mean, with that progression, that being said, do you ever think there would have ever been a moment where we would have seen a match, a death match with a Hollywood actor? <laughs> in yeah, David Arquette. No, but that's the that's the uh, that's... astoundingness of something like GCW. Yeah, and I feel that's. I feel and again, I'm not saying again. I don't want to frame it as that match should have ever happened in the first place because honestly it shouldn't have no it shouldn't have at all <laughs> everyone but... everyone in that scenario was way over their head <laughs> yeah no no they they were it absolutely shouldn't have happened but least... like again it, it's it's a thing that used to happen in 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 older deathmatch wrestling where people would be booked for death matches not knowing they were booked for death matches yes Yes, yes. Uh, a, a case in point: a lot of people were didn't were were didn't know that they were being booked against New Jack at certain points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it was, just, it was, it was a thing that some companies were doing, and absolutely, it shouldn't be happening. No, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm that glad it doesn't happen anymore. I'm glad it doesn't happen anymore. Or at least, if it does happen now, it's happen- It's if it is happening still, then cut that shit out yes yes absolutely um, but the, the 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 companies that people are looking to for this type of stuff have got it to a point where people know what's happening and it's a, it's a very much an agreed thing between two people yeah again not that that completely justifies it happening absolutely absolutely so some of the names uh talking about gcw some of the names nowadays that we can consider some of the legends i guess of course we have nick gage the, the 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 king nowadays yeah. you would say of the death match, <laughs> but of course... a, a truly fascinating figure. I honest Absolutely. to god, Absolutely. honest to god, find that man. I don't know if I I don't know if I like him. I don't know if I respect him, but I find him fascinating to uh, uh to a point. I find him such a compelling man. <laughs> I really do. Agreed. Agreed. Um... I think again, there's there's something about Nick Gage that, that for some reason you can't, you I, you can't put your finger on it, but you can't help but root for the guy, especially when he's in when he's wrestling. And I think that's why that's why he's cheered so much by the fans. Thing I, the thing I've always said about it was there was it was a quote that was flying around. And I can't remember what it's from. Um, I'll have to try. I have to try and find the source for it again, but. <laughs> Um, it wasn't even talking about deathmatch wrestling. It was talking about something completely different. Yeah. Uh, um, but in, in an industry that relies on being fake, the genuineness shines through. Yeah. Yeah. And like the thing of the thing, the only thing I can say about Nick Gage is I'm like, nah, he's just a real guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I I did like look up Nick Gage, and I, I this is a I'm 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 butchering the quote somewhat. But I remember him like talking like there was a great quote talking about him, basically going like you watching Nick Gage, you you get the you get the impression and everyone understands that he will unequivocally absolutely die for this shit. (laughs) Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Other guys uh, are making uh, the waves in, in hardcore wrestling. Ricky Shane Page. He's made his, yep. he's, put, he's applied his craft everywhere in the world, uh, and now has a home in GCW. Matt Tremont as well. It's another person I go give a shout out to. Uh, to. Um, and of course, the 
person really who's kind of out there on a national and international platform as possibly one of the most famous deathmatch and hardcore wrestlers at the moment it's Joey Janela. Mm. Yeah. And a man Yeah, I mean I think as well famous. it's one of the things that you've got to, I mean obviously it's incredible that Joey Janela's even making appearances on you know national TV with AEW. Yeah. <laughs> but um like the the thing as well that carries a lot of it is um you know the other people in gcw who kind of like occasionally do them as well yeah <clears throat> so you had guys like aj gray who did yeah. some doesn't really do them anymore i mean how effie effie and effie effie and power uh fear the gay agenda this year effie say that this month effie takes his licks and then some and you can't um, help but admire effie for that uh, Ali Catch now, formerly Ali Cat. Yeah. Uh, bumping up on that list as well. Um, if you want someone that, uh, or someone to look out for in the scene, um, Akira, not to be confused with Francesco Akira, <laughs> very different wrestlers. <laughs> um, but Akira is uh, doing stuff over in Japan right now and recently yeah. won one of the Japanese deathmatch tournaments. I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. but he's absolutely astounding. Yeah. Um, and there are always people that are looking to take the game to the next level. If you want people over in the UK scene, um, then I've got to give a shout out to my guy, Tyler Devlin. Tyler Devlin! Uh, over at PWR. Yeah. Absolute amazing stuff that he, that he puts out. He's a beast um, of a man. And... Uh, I believe he's due to be doing stuff with TNT. Nice. Uh, which I will watch depending on how I feel about TNT at that time. <laughs> Same. Same. Um, but like I said, it, I, you know, the, the the scene has just grown. And so I guess if we're in this ending stretch now. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. <laughs> the thing that I would say about modern deathmatch wrestling is it's kind of become this weird equalizer. Yeah. It's become this weird space where <clears throat> people who weren't really welcome anywhere else had a space to sit at. Exactly. Because deathmatch wrestling has kind of become a weird bastion for intergender wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's become this weird bastion for a lot of the proliferation of LGBTQ plus wrestling. Yeah. Um. And it's also become, and again, has also served as a space on the independent scene for POC talent that haven't always had that opportunity to get anywhere else. I feel like the the, the kind of framing around it is like, it's a place where all the outcasts can come together. Oh, Jesus. Have we just come in, to the conclusion in, in a... that... Hardcore deathmatch wrestling is the most progressive part of professional wrestling. Oh god, I don't want to make that. I don't want to make that claim. <laughs> That's absolutely not the conclusion to make. I, no, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I mean, look, 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 guys, guys, guys. This thing is full of testosterone. Unless someone gets, unless someone gets clopped in the head by a rainbow themed light tube, I ain't calling it that. Effie, please, no, you like, need to like rainbow themes. Like that. That. I feel like it just exists as this niche. Yes, absolutely. It's like 
Um, because the one that we said around, I think it was GCW TOD, mm-hmm. where they said like, "If you're here, you're one of us." Yeah. And in an environment which is arguably as hostile as wrestling is for some peoples, mm-hmm. having that is as much an important thing as anything else. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that is the that is like a great little stamping point into the conclusion. I feel for all of this, and and kind of what are your guys' kind of thoughts and feelings of the modern day incarnation of what is hardcore wrestling nowadays? I find the modern like again that it's a really good thing. I watched that um that documentary <laughs> because I got to admit I do find it strangely compelling now Mm. i don't know if i'll ever be a fan i don't know if i'm gonna start watching yeah yeah what i what i've always said to people is obviously if you don't want to watch it i understand i'm never gonna tell anyone or make anyone watch it yes Mm. because a that just doesn't work (laughs) <laughs> if you tell people if you tell people to do stuff they probably don't like it as much as if they try to do it out of their own volition exactly but like i understand why people wouldn't want to watch it mm. and i would say to people if you ever have the curiosity there's stuff out there that you can watch um and if you like it you like it if you don't you don't yeah but with the modern incarnation of what is hardcore wrestling, extreme wrestling, deathmatch wrestling, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's kind of just become its own space for innovation, really. Testing the it's waters, a place, I find, as It's well. a place where you can certainly see something different from what you're going to see anywhere else. Mm. Um, it's kind of less constrained, and it is an opportunity to kind of dive in on something completely different. Um, and companies that are doing them, maybe even if you don't like the death matches, they might have something else on offer for you that you might like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel... um, like I said, uh, for, for me, it, it's this weird combination of like a morbid curiosity and dramatic fascination that yeah. draws me to it. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there are people out there that are doing things and even if you don't like it, maybe it might do you some, it might do you some help to maybe pay a bit of recognition to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it's a thing of, I feel it's it, it can't go un, understated just how much of its influence can be seen nowadays, even in modern day, uh, in the national uh, uh, scene. With AEW and WWE, we have a lot of guys that came up within the hardcore wrestling promotions. John Moxley, as I said, uh, one of the big names of AEW was a guy that was a staple in CZW. Uh, Seth Rollins, of course, was part of Wrestling Society X. So you know, the, its its influence can't go understated. That 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 hardcore wrestling does deserve its place uh, there. But again, it's that thing of look, I will never force or take uh give anyone to force it down their throats to watch it because it is very much a thing of, 
and a very acquired taste. And if you've got the stomach and a stomach to bear watching stuff sometimes i don't have the stu- i barely have the stomach yeah, to no watch no it I, well. I don't i don't have the certain but stuff. i have that morbid i guess i guess you could call it a morbid curiosity to, to that sort of uh, that sort of style of wrestling um and i feel if it weren't i feel if it weren't for hardcore wrestling as well we wouldn't have the the wrestlemania week that of what it's become, the Edinburgh Fringe of wrestling. That is the WrestleMania week of so many promotions putting on, <laughs> putting on show after show after show. It is so accurate that it makes me laugh. It is <laughs> it's, that. It's true. It Jesus. is true. <laughs> so that is, and that concludes this episode all about the history of hardcore wrestling. What do you think, chaps? You're gonna do, do, do you want to be seeing some crimson masks anytime soon? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I, I might give mate. it a break for now, but I'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, I feel like after that, I'm researching everything and talking about Onita, which I didn't even give you the best part. I will say that after we're done recording. I'll tell you mm. the best part about Sushi Onita. But no, with all of that being said, I think I might give myself a tiny break. Tiny break. <laughs> mm. I think I need a break from wrestling, period. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> true. I, I tell you what next week next episode next week is going to be a good one and i think a very very good kind of break because we're talking about a wrestler who is absolutely phenomenal and has how he has his entire career never like pumped the brakes in his career in terms of his style and his moveset and his creativity is beyond me because yes our next episode and someone we mentioned on this episode we're going to be doing a profile all about the natural Dustin Rhodes. This is going to be so fascinating. I'm actually really looking forward to this one. Talking about his early career, of course, living in the shadow of Dusty Rhodes, going out and immediately being incredibly gifted in the ring. And of course, leaving WCW to become Gold Dust. And now, as we know him as one of the head trainers of AEW, he's not had a, he's had a career really? full of ups and downs, but he has one had one hell of it's a career. It's been an interesting career. That's for damn sure. I am so looking forward to researching this one and and chatting to you, uh, you two, about Dustin Rhodes. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. As ever, we will see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. MDK. MDK. <laughs>